Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Okay. I need I need no sad faces, no nothing from anyone. Um, this has been really hard realizing that this is like my last day on staff with you guys and trust and believe if I start crying, just like ignore it. We'll just move past it. It's probably not the healthiest coping mechanism, but we're gonna go with it. <laughs> um, but we're gonna, I'm actually gonna jump in because um, that's just what I do, none of that fluff. But we're actually gonna start a new um, sermon series called God of Miracles. We're gonna be opening in the book of Mark. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of a background to that. But as I'm doing that, you guys wanna flip um, into your, to your Bibles the book of Mark. We did something in junior high on Sunday where it's called this game called Treasure Hunt, where we were like throwing certain items on the screen and each team had to grab that item from their group and a representative would run it up to the front. And one of the items was Bible. And there were six teams and there were only three people that were able to bring up a Bible, which means there were only three Bibles in the room. And I was I was shocked. I was like, there's no way. And this kid like chucks his phone up right now and we're like, no, that doesn't count. So um, hopefully there's more than three Bibles in the room. I have one, so count it. Um, But to start off, we're gonna talk um, the Gospel of Mark, which is Jesus revealing himself as the Messiah, as the servant king. And so our God statement today is Jesus is God. Can you guys say that? Jesus is God, yes. Also, one, thank you all for showing up and not heading to First Wednesday. I know that some of you really love going to First Wednesday. So I'm glad you're here. Um, but guys, this book, this book is like a live illustration of when we went to Nicaragua. Like there were miracles, there were healings, there were salvations. And that is, this book came to life for us and our team. And so I hope that you guys get a little glimpse of that today because, um, ooh, guitar clip. Free. <laughs> this is a prize for anyone. <laughs> um, but and this is, yeah, this was the book coming to life. So there was Jesus, and he's illustrating the power and compassion, um, being the Son of God. He's referred to as the Son of Man. And in that day, it was because um, the Gentiles knew what Son of Man meant. It meant the Messiah, the, the representative of God on earth. And so when he said, I am the Son of Man, he was referring to the Son of God. Um, And he was illustrating a new way to live, but he was showing us through miracles, through teachings. And I want you guys to really grasp that today. Mark is split up into three sections. The first section is who is Jesus? Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the King, as the servant. And um, the next one, the next teaching, or the next section was um, Jesus teaching the disciples what it means to be the Messiah. And then lastly is what it means to be the Messianic King, which is the fulfillment of the law. So um, do you wanna throw that God statement back up there or maybe not? Nice, okay, cool. So we're gonna read in Mark 2, one through 12. I'm gonna do that and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump in. I'm really excited for today. That's why I'm kind of rushing through this because I wanna get to like the good stuff. Um, But we're gonna read chapter two, so follow along. Or if you guys wanna close your eyes, feel free. Sometimes that's how I, I didn't do that in school because my teachers were like, excuse me, (laughs) wake up. But other times I was like, sometimes you just need to close your eyes to really soak in the word. So it says, 
chapter two, verse one, it says, and when he returned to Capernaum and he being Jesus, after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, if you guys wanna underline that, if you have your Bibles, he saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, I just thank you that miracles are real, that you heal and that you forgive and that you restore and that you are in this place right here and right now. God, I thank you that you were the same back in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you're the same now, yesterday, today, and forever. God, we just welcome you here. Lord, I ask that my brothers and sisters would be able to see a new side to who you are as king, as Lord, as a servant. The one who gave us new life, who gives us a new way to live. We were dead in our sins, but God, you rose from the grave and you defeated sin and death and you're here with us now. So Holy Spirit, come, would you teach us today? Would you lead me today? and always in an understanding and that these words that I speak would be yours and not my own. So we, li we love you, Lord, and we thank you in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, so guys, what is the point of healing? Does anyone know? Is it to be successful, to be fit, to have your goals reached in life? What is the point of healing, the point of a miracle? And I wanna do my best in answering that question. And we see right, right off the bat that it's to glorify God. In verse 12, it says, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we've never seen anything like this. That's fascinating to me, to glorify God. Like it's not, healing is not just for our benefit, but it's to glorify God. And so um, this first point, is, it talks about how Jesus, so imagine with me, like your boy is lowered from the ceiling and Jesus turns as he's teaching and is like, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but if you were the ones lowering a man into the ceiling, you're not saying, wow, praise God, his sins are forgiven. You're saying, no, we brought him here for a reason. <laughs> Heal his body, he's broken. But the thing that shocked me was like, do you think if Jesus healed his body first that he probably would have walked up, ran out of there and walked straight into hell? And I don't mean that like 
Jesus fell off the face of the earth, but I mean like, was his heart transformed? Would his heart have been transformed? I believe that God is more concerned with the state of his heart than the well-being of our physical bodies. Has anyone ever prayed for healing? I have. For someone else, for myself, did it work? For me, no. (laughs) I was straight up praying for someone to like immediately be healed, didn't work, and I was like, cool, God. (laughs) Cool, I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) That kind of hurt. But but what I realized was he, he he didn't work in my heart. God was increasing my faith and he increased the faith of the other person um, though he did not heal. And so we see here, he's saying, son, your sins are forgiven. So we see that God is more concerned with this man's heart than he is with his well-being. Um, There's a lot of this in the Bible actually. In 1 Samuel 16, when um, God instructs Samuel to go appoint David as king. He's saying, don't look on the outward appearance of this man, but look at his heart. So David was like skinny boy, you know, probably, probably like pounding the protein, but not getting anywhere and, and pretty small. His brothers were like huge. They looked like they could have been kings, but it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on his height of his stature because I have rejected them. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I am all about the heart. Like, how are you feeling? How's your heart? Carson loves when I ask him that question. What's the state of your soul? He's like, my soul is well. (laughs) How's your heart? He's like, it's beating at 90 90 beats per minute, Catherine. (laughs) How's your heart? But no, I'm like, no, really, like the state of your heart, your well-being. There's another story in Acts where Ananias and his wife were... This church was starting up like the Christian church and they were trying to build a strong foundation of what was good and right and true. And Ananias and his wife were like, hey, let's donate to the church. So they sell their property and um, they go in to the church leaders and they're like, here, here's our money. But what the church leaders didn't know was they held back some of the money and they wanted the appearance of themselves to be, oh, we're so generous and we wanna give you this, but really it's, no, I don't believe that we can live without all this money, so we're gonna hold some back. And I kid you not, they dropped dead right then and there. It's crazy, hard to believe. Like, you just, I'm imagining people coming up here and then being like, here's a donation to the church, but then like, boom, gone. Like, the church leaders didn't know the state of their heart, the state of their soul, but Jesus did. And they were killed, which is like, really crazy to me and a little bit extreme, but that's like the reality of how, how God cares so deeply about our hearts and not necessarily our physical well-being. He does care about it. I do wanna clarify that the man, his sins, his, he, him being paralyzed wasn't a sin, or no, let me restart. The man's, ooh, the man who was paralyzed was not because of his sins. Like it wasn't a result of how sinful he was but Jesus really did care deeply about that. And so I'm not saying like the more you sin, the worse off you are gonna have it in life or the better you are, the better off you're gonna have it in life. Literally look at the Bible. There is no correlation really to like you're a worse person, you're a better person, you're like life are gonna have struggles, right? But take heart because Jesus has overcome the world, right? Right. 
Okay, there's a little quote. I found this um, by an American writer and theologian. It says, forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need, it costs the greatest price, and it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Back in, uh, what was it, 2017? I don't know, when I was in Kansas, I was driving my friend to the airport, and um, it was like super early in the morning, kind of cloudy, gross like it was this morning, a little bit rainy, snowy. Um, and my friend was late. Like, it wasn't on me, but she was late. And so, yes, me being the awesome person that I am with speeding, trying to get there on time. And we're, okay, have, have any of you gotten a speeding ticket? Yes. Have, what is your heart? Oh, your heart is like, like, you're, yeah, your heart about beats out of your chest. <laughs> I don't know like, if you've ever been in trouble and you're that person that's like, I'm, I'd rather die than get in trouble right now. That's how I felt. So I'm driving over this hill in my little car named Gracie, um, and she's quick. She was quick. And I just let off the gas, and she's coasting. She was a manual transmission. And I, <laughs> guys, I looked over to my left, and there was this police officer, and we locked eyes. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I looked at my speedometer, and I said, oh, shoot. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, I just pull over into, like, the little, the little uh, side road. And my friend is losing her mind. She's like, we're late. He did not flash his lights. You, why did you pull over? She's, like, losing it. And I'm like, I don't know where my insurance is. I don't know if my license Sweet outdated. I was like freaking out and she's freaking out. And he like flashes his lights. He pulls up behind me and he knocks on the passenger's side window. He goes, ma'am, do you know why you were pulled over? And I was like, for the love. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. He goes, you were going 17 over. And I was like, <laughs> and I think this speed limit was like 55. So do the math. Um, and I was like, one, humiliated. Two, my heart was racing out of my chest. And three, I was like, I am so sorry, but he could not stop smiling. And I was like, I am so sorry. He goes, why did you pull over? <laughs> and I was like, we locked eyes. <laughs> and he was like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. So he goes back to his car. He like does this little calculator thing, prints this whole little receipt ticket thing, and he hands it to me. And instead of 17 miles over, he said 15 miles over, which technically if you go over 15 miles, it's three points on your license versus one point on your license, plus the bad weather. He was like, you pretty much could have gotten your license almost revoked, like one more penalty and you're out. And I was like, oh gosh. But here's the thing, he was nice and gracious. And I really appreciated that because that was a hefty fine I did have to pay, um, which was, it was like 300 something dollars. And being broke, guys, mm-mm. You don't have 300 to just give away. Oh man, um, that's like, that's more than a, that's, that was rent for me essentially. So that was like, to me, him being gracious because he knocked the speed limit down, praise the Lord, and he took, he didn't put points on my license, which it's like, if you, if you get in, once you get your license, it's bad to get points on your license because once you reach a certain limit, they take your license away and no more driving. Your parents will not be happy. So. Anyway, he saw that my heart was remorseful and he saw that my heart was repentant, clearly because I pulled over be before he even flashed his lights on. Um, so he was gracious to me and he saw that my heart was, a, was remorseful and repentant and he was gracious to me. And 
I'm not saying this man's Jesus, but he looked a lot like him that day <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh, Kyle's like, please, God, no. <laughs> and he's like, what are you guys doing? I was like, I'm driving. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? Anyway, he was very kind and gracious, but to me, he saw my heart being remorseful and he was very kind and gracious. And that was a sweet picture of who Jesus is. But um, yeah, I'm getting carried away. We need to move on. Okay, Jesus came to show the world that he was God. And to give you a little background, the Gentiles, they knew that Jesus was coming, but they thought he was coming in the place of like a mighty king. And so Jesus being the servant king, he was explaining to these people who were listening to him during his teaching that like he is the son of man, the son of God, the Messiah, but in a different way. And so these guys, they started to question him. And it says in verse eight, and immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up and take your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so they knew that Jesus was coming. But now they were saying, they were questioning him. Have any of you guys ever questioned something in the Bible, questioned God? I'd love to see, like raise your hands if you have. Mm, good, I'm glad. A lot of times, I was never that person. I was like, it is what it is. <laughs> Whatever the Bible says, sure God. But recently, so we, we um, are friends with this, this couple and they have two kids, one's five and one's seven. And recently they've been reading these um, Bibles that are catered to their age. I don't know if you guys did that, but their mom ordered these Bibles and it's like for younger kids, middle-aged kids, early teens, teens, blah, blah, blah. So you read the Bible in a year, but it kind of like, simplifies it or makes it a little bit easier to understand um, as the kids are growing up. But the kids were noticing something and they were questioning like, why, why does God harden Pharaoh's heart? Have any of you wondered that? Like in Exodus, why, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Interesting. Why did he ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? His first, his one and only son at the time. Why did God tell the Israelites to mass murder the entire Philistine army? Like we're, all the stuff going on in Ukraine, like that's huge and that's big. What if like, just imagine, like what if God had commanded stuff like that to happen now? I would be questioning God. And that was exactly what these kids were doing. They're like, why, why do we say God is love when all of a sudden he's hardening someone's heart or telling them to kill this whole group? Like, that's crazy to me. And, and truthfully, guys, I don't know the answers to that question. It's really hard and they're great questions to ask, but I do believe that God gives peace and he gives clarity. And we know that Jesus is God and we learn through Jesus that the whole point of our existence is to not glorify ourselves, but it's to glorify God, to worship God because he's worthy of praise, right? We've learned that over the last few weeks that God's worthy of so much, even our lament. He's worthy of our anger. That, that gets me. I'm like, yeah, I try and hold my anger in, but like realizing that God wants to hear that and wants to see that, it blows my mind. But here's my favorite part. Can I actually get my volunteers who I asked to help do we have the black sheet? Just stay, stay right down there. Do we have the, Michelle, do you have the sheet? Where's Michelle? Okay, cool. I don't see you. 
Oh yeah, can you hand that to Ethan? Okay guys, picture this with me. We're going back to the beginning of the story. Okay, Ethan, can you lay the sheet down? I need one more, Where, where's my other volunteer? Okay, Gabe. Gabe, you're gonna regret this. Just kidding. Lay in the sheet. <laughs> okay, Gabe Orn is now paralyzed. Gabe Orn cannot move. Now these fine men are going to carry Gabe, hold please, around the room and then up the stairs. Guys, imagine, imagine this, Pastor Tim preaching and your boys start lowering their friend down, like the, like the audacity, <laughs> the audacity to interrupt this message. Can you imagine? Like that is so distracting. But they not only carried their friend from his house to where Jesus was teaching, but they ripped the roof open. Like that's vandalism for one. Like, if, I don't know about you, I, this is like, okay, think back in their time, their roofs were made of mud and dirt, which is the exact same thing, um, leaves and wood, and it's all caked on together. Like, it is this strong, secure roof to keep from, like, the storms, to keep from um, the wind and all the bugs and everything. You guys got this. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Gabe. How do you feel? Oh, sure, 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 sure. But like, imagine Jesus preaching and all of a sudden your boy shows up. <laughs> it's okay, he's paralyzed, he doesn't feel it. <laughs> Look at John, guys. All right, put him down. And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, son, you're sick. Did you just kick him? No. Ethan. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, he goes, your son, your sins are forgiven. No, no, you're not, oh. no. <laughs> you, you can't move, your sins are forgiven. Your sins, I'm sorry, you're, exactly. You're like, okay, now what? <laughs> now what, you're like, okay, Gabe, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> don't, don't get up yet, don't get up, lay down, lay down. I know it's uncomfortable because I'm imagining this situation being uncomfortable. These fine young men just carried their friend from his house, ripped the roof off a building, lowered him down into the building, and he's not healed. He's not healed. Imagine. And then the second Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, get up, take your bed and walk. And he did. Miracles happen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can have your seat. Thank you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of that. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks. I wasn't originally going to have him walk around the room, but I was like, that was too easy. They lifted him up too easy. Okay. So here's the thing. It says in verse 4, everyone, shh, shh, shh. It says, Jesus saw their faith. Verse four, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, good for them, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic sons, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he does heal him. But here's the thing, here's what heals him. The paralytic didn't ask Jesus to heal him. The friends didn't ask Jesus to heal him, but their faith spoke loud enough. Their faith is what healed him. And that's what blows my mind. 
We know Moses, when he spends time on the mountain with Jesus or with God, he comes down from the mountain and his face is glowing. You could see he had spent time with Jesus. There were these people in Nicaragua where um, there was this older man. He was, I think, like late 80s, early, early 90s. And his wife, and they were, they were run down, and you could tell. And this man had his leg amputated from like here down because of diabetes. And so needless to say, he was bedridden for the rest of his life. And we asked like, would you mind if we carried him to church? And he didn't really want that. But here's the thing. He said, no matter who I get to see in the rest of my life here on earth, I love Jesus and I trust that Jesus has a perfect plan for me. And so it wasn't that like seeing people and getting to like have parties and get a new car and go to college was like his goal in life. It was to know Jesus. And we saw that his faith actually encouraged us. And we got to pray with him and encourage him. But really, I feel like we walked away more encouraged than he did. Like we don't know how long he has to live because he still had diabetes, but it was just like this most beautiful situation where he may never, he will never walk again, but his faith was encouraging us. And then there was this other family where um, this seven-year-old, well, no, this family was, um, they were new believers as of a few years and we walked into their home and this lady goes, I haven't really been to church in a few years. She has a newborn baby. She's like, my baby cries a lot um, and I just don't wanna disrupt church. And we got to encourage her. But then she saw one of our bracelets. And our bracelets, have you guys seen those gospel bracelets? They're like the story of the gospel, but in different colors. Well, her son walked into the house and he had one of those bracelets on. And she was like, the story you're telling me, my son's been telling me this. You gave him a bracelet and he told me the exact story that you guys are saying and it's the gospel. And her, she was so encouraged by her seven-year-old son, by his faith, that she recommitted her life to the Lord. Her husband wanted to commit his life to the Lord and they were gonna start going back to church. Now, it wasn't really like his son saying, mom, you have to believe in Jesus, but it was his faith that encouraged her, her faith that encouraged her husband and their faith that encouraged our team because Jesus transforms us. The goodness of God transforms us. Jesus being God encouraged them and the faith of these men that brought their friend down from the roof, Jesus saw that. So I want you guys to know, like you don't have to say the right things. You just gotta do the right thing and have faith in God that he's gonna do the rest, right? I love it. I think it's in Frozen, Um, Frozen 2. Where is it Elsa or Anna singing? And she's just got to do the next right thing. And that has Anna. Okay, sorry, everyone. (laughs) Bad movie reference. (laughs) But I just love that thing because it's it's true. Like you just got to do the next right thing. And that stuck with me. These men, all they needed, they knew that they needed to do was bring their friend to the healer. And they didn't realize that this healing would not just be external, but that it would be internal. Does that make sense? So at the beginning of this, I asked you guys what the point of healing is. What is the point of healing? What is the point of these miracles? Is it to make your life easier? If Gabe just laid there and I said, your sins are forgiven, and he just laid there, I don't really know how much easier his life would have been. His friends would have had to pick him up and carry him off the stage. The paralytic, his friends would have had to carry him home once again. But was the healing to make his life easier, more bearable, to make him successful? 
or was it to glorify God? Because at the end of the day, the men and their faith encouraged him. And Jesus, and the guys that saw this miracle happen, was they, they were shocked. They said, we've never seen anything like this. And they were glorifying God. Could I have the worship team come back up? But I do have a question for you guys. What is that bed that you guys are laying in? The paralytic, he obviously had no choice, but I see that none of you guys in this room are paralyzed, praise God. But like, what is, I'm saying like the metaphoric bed that you're laying in. Here's the thing, the second Jesus died on the cross, the second that the Holy Spirit descended, the second that you guys knew Christ, like God forgave you. God forgives you now. And I'm asking you guys, like, what is, he, what is he forgiving you of? And then what is that thing where you need to take up your bed and walk? Or the thing that you need to leave behind so that you can know Jesus better, so that you can look like him, so that your faith can encourage other people. I think it's so, it's so important that we see Jesus as a servant because then we get to be like a servant and we get to encourage people, we get to pray over one another, we get to go out into our schools or into our homes and into our, our family lives. Whatever life you guys are living outside of this church, you get to go be, are there the people who are carrying others to the Lord? Are the ones who have been healed, which is all of you guys, all of you guys have been forgiven and you go out into the world and you glorify God. You glorify God with what you say and with what you do, with who you are. I want you guys to just take a few seconds. We're gonna um, start worshiping, but I want you guys to really think, what is the thing that kind of holds you back? The bed that you guys are laying in, the thing that maybe, maybe you're the one who's carrying someone else. Maybe you need to lay that at the feet of Jesus so that your faith can encourage someone else. Maybe you need to surrender something to the Lord because you're kind of just like laying in what's comfortable and what's familiar and what you think is just where, where life is. It is what it is. What are those questions you're wrestling with, those fears, those doubts? I mean, I'm, to be honest, like, I know that I'm stepping down from staff here, but I don't have like a black and white answer of what I'm doing next. So that's my thing. I'm giving to the Lord, asking Lord, like, would you show me what's next? Would you show me where you want me to be? I want to keep working with people. I want to keep helping people. I want to keep preaching the good news, but not on stage, but in people's lives. That's what my desire is. God, would you give me the desires of your heart and would you make a way? So I'm asking you guys again, what's the point of healing and what is that thing God's asking you to leave behind? So you guys can all stand up. And you can, you can stand up, stay where you're at or come forward. But as you guys think through this, really just meditate on this word. The point of why we're here is to glorify God. And it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to fear and to doubt and to wonder, but don't linger there. Because the, the teachers in here, they, they were questioning in their hearts and Jesus was like, what did you want me to do? 
He's like, I am the son of man. I am Jesus. Trust in me, believe in me, put your hope in me, lean into me. So I'll leave you guys with that today. Think about those things. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.